Okay, the Bible reading is also brought by me, and we will be reading Psalm 100, the whole thing. Okay, let's go. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks so much, Chanel. Um, For those who don't know, um, I've been batching since uh, Christmas Eve until yesterday, and um, Elena had her flight cancelled on the way down, Uh, Elena and the kids, and they had their flight cancelled on the way back, Elena and the kids, but everything worked out, so that is truly something to be thankful for. I'm thankful for it anyway, so that's cool. So guys, we're looking at Psalm 100, and I should start off by saying Happy New Year. We didn't actually do that, did we? So uh, it's going to be a good year, I think, and uh, we just got to get used to this 2022 bit, or saying last year instead of this year, and uh, I'm sure we'll all make a few mistakes there, but that's actually okay. And it's great to have people share, and I really love hearing about the things that God is doing in through and around us and certainly if you've come along to any of the prayer meetings you've heard the good news stories and and it is just so exciting to be a part of that. We've got so many ministries that we don't actually hear from or about the ladies craft morning, Uh, English is a second language and there's boys brigade and girls brigade, we don't actually get too many reports on those through the church but they're all doing great things Uh, and it's such a blessing to see these ministries grow, especially ESL in this season where Uh, it's been very, very difficult with COVID and everything like that. A lot of the students aren't actually in Australia at the moment, those types of things, but they are still ministering greatly. Uh, We've got mums ministering to other mums and things like that as well. And again, we don't hear about that, but uh, they're doing a great work out there. So let's be praying for our ministries. And certainly as we move towards the week of prayer, uh, towards the end of this month, all those ministries will be highlighted and you'll have opportunity to uh, pray for them at that time as well. So in line with our Thanksgiving service this evening, um, we are actually looking at this psalm, Psalm 100, which is a psalm for giving thanks. And it's a psalm that concludes a series of psalms from 93 to 100, which are psalms which declare the Lord's reign. It's about his sovereignty over everything. And this particular psalm is pretty well known and addresses um, all of the earth to join in and praise the Lord. And this psalm, there's been two hymns written uh, from this psalm and people my age or thereabouts will remember a chorus that is written from this psalm as well. And no, I will not sing it tonight, although I did this morning. Uh, And this particular psalm is generally well known. And uh, as we move through this psalm, we need to keep in mind that it refers to all the earth, everyone. And is written primarily to the people of Israel. So some of, the, some of the terms and everything that are used here are very much about Israel as a nation. So those people would have understood the terminology of the tabernacle and, um, and they would have reflected on the time that Israel had in the wilderness and God's provision and during that time as well. And when he speaks about um, being his people, the sheep of his pasture, they would have known exactly what he was talking about in in that experience. So it's a reminder to them that their God reigns. And more than that, there is a subtle reminder that they were responsible to take the message of God to the nations around them, something which Israel largely failed to do. And so God's compassion even then extended to all of humanity. It wasn't just about Israel. 
So we will get into that, but let's pause and pray. Father God, I thank you so much that we can be here this evening. I thank you for the truth of your word. And now I ask, Lord, that you'll allow that to be revealed. I ask, Lord, that we'll have open hearts and open minds to hear from you and that we'll be willing to change our lives if that's what is necessary in order to draw closer to you. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. So this evening, uh, we're just, I'm just calling this Thanksgiving simply because that's what this psalm is about and that's what this service is all about. And uh, I'm just going to look at the imperatives or the commands that are actually in this psalm. There's going to be plenty to cover there. And uh, realistically, I've got about 45 minutes worth of notes here. I'm going to try and cut that back to 20 minutes. So we'll see how we go because we have communion as well this evening. So first and foremost, we're told to make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. And I really hope Pastor Darrell doesn't hear this, but this is one of those occasions where I think the NIV actually gets this better than the ESV. Please don't hold that against me. Uh, the ESV says, make a joyful noise. And although that isn't wrong, it, it misses a bit of a vital point here. One of the things, what, what's the NIV say? Shout. It says, shout to the Lord. And that's exactly what this is about. Has anyone ever stood outside a sporting ground and then suddenly realized that the home team had scored? Anyone ever done that? What happens? There's this incredible joyful noise, isn't there? There's this large, very loud noise that occurs, but it's a joyful noise. You know that something good is happening. And that's what this word is all about. This is like a battle cry, a victory cry, something that is yelled out very loudly, but is joyful and exuberant. Is that what our worship's like when we come to church? Because that's what this is calling us to do. It's calling us to shout. And, and, and the terminology here, the original word means to split the ears. That's how loud they're saying this should be. And so it's a loud noise. It's not just a loud noise, it's a joyful noise. It's a joyful noise into the Lord. And it's a noise that should not be held back. It's something that should flow from our inner being. It's a noise it's not thoughtful to those around them. It's a noise that's not held back because of those around us. Because we're just looking unto the Lord. And we want to sing praises to him. We want to acknowledge him. We want to engage with him. And so when we gather together, when we sing, we should want to shout to the Lord. We should want to be loud. And you know what? There's some people who have great singing voices. We hear them on stage every week. And there's some of us who aren't so good. Pastor Darrell's in that category. I can say that without any innovations because he said it this morning. And I think we've all been given this voice though, haven't we? And our voice is unique. And I've got to ask you, does God want us to use our voice to praise him? And the answer has to be yes. And the thing is, so many of us think that because we can't sing well, then we shouldn't sing at all. But this is a command to shout to the Lord, to make a joyful noise unto him. And he waits in expectation for each and every one of us, whether we've got a great singing voice or not. I, 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 went, I went to this service uh, some time ago, and there was this girl in the front row. And this girl uh, suffered from downs, but she loved the Lord. And she sang at the top of her lungs. And she was not a good singer. She couldn't sing on key. She was out of time. And you know what? It didn't affect anyone. I, I, was, I was blown away because on this particular place, the worship team was about this close to this girl. And they were all just worshipping the Lord. They were all just praising God because this girl's love of Christ was written all over her face. 
And she just sang at the top of her lungs. And it was, it, seriously, it was a beautiful thing. I was, I was just caught up with this girl. And so if you don't have a great singing voice, it doesn't matter. God waits in expectation of you to praise, honour and glorify him. He wants to hear your voice. And so he commands us to do so. When we look at these passages of Scripture in James 5.13, we're told to sing praise to him and to be cheerful at when we, sorry, to be, when we're cheerful, to sing praises to him. In Colossians 3.16, we're told to sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs to each other. It'd be a bit weird if someone knocked on the front door and just started with a hymn, but we're to sing with each other. And I love it. Um, at our house, we've got a guitar that just sits there. Anyone who comes knows that you can just pick that guitar up and play. play. It hasn't happened for a while, but I love it when someone comes in and we just start singing worship songs. Totally impromptu. Nothing organised. It is just such an encouragement. When I think about this too, I think about Paul in prison. And if you imagine what it was like for those guys in prison, they're usually chained up and they're hanging from those chains and it's really hard to, to breathe. And these guys were singing because they, they had an encounter with Christ. They understood who he was. They understood what he had done for them. And when I was thinking about this, I actually came across uh, a, a passage um, from... The persecuted pastors, there's a blog for persecuted pastors and none of them are identified, none of them say where they are because they're still persecuted. And this guy wrote, when we were in prison we sang almost every day because Christ was alive in us. The communists were very nice to us. They knew we liked to praise God with musical instruments so they gave every Christian in prison a musical instrument. However, they didn't give us violins or mandolins, they were too expensive. Instead they put our hands and feet in chains. They changed us to add to our grief, yet we discovered the chains are splendid musical instruments. When we clanged them together in rhythm, we could sing. This is the day, clink, clink, the Lord has made. Clink, clink, which the Lord has made. Which the Lord has made. Isn't that incredible? And these guys just wanted to worship the Lord because they knew he was present with them. So the first commandment we're given in this passage of Scripture is to make a joyful noise. And that's all the earth that is called to make that joyful noise. The second command is to serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. And so we have the opposite happening here where the NIV says worship. And again, it's not necessarily wrong. Serve and worship goes hand in hand. But I, I think that the ESV is closer to what we're actually talking about here. These are lives that are lived in a way that worships God. It's not just about our Sunday. It's about what we do in the nine to five each and every day, regardless of whether that's work or study or whatever. And it's to do those things with the right heart and attitude. And when we do do that, it becomes an act of worship to God. And that's what we're called to do as Christian brothers and sisters. This is where our everyday lives and our spiritual lives meet. There's no separation between what happens here and what happens in the nine to five. Whatever we do outside here becomes a place of worship if we perform each and every task as if it was to God. And that's what we're clearly told in Colossians 3.23. Serve the, uh, sorry, um, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We are called to serve the Lord. It's an act of worship. And if our worship at any time is to be meaningful, it must infiltrate or permeate the everyday part of our lives. Every moment of every day, we are to do whatever we're called to do and we're to do it with gladness. He doesn't want us to serve grudgingly. 
to be unappreciative of our present season. Some of you may be in jobs that you don't think up to your standard. But God gave you that job. He provided that for you. I've had some incredible jobs in my life. I've been a Garbo. That was one of the best jobs I had. I desperately needed a job at the time and God blessed me by uh, putting me on a garbage truck. And I love that job. I've delivered pizzas. I've done all sorts of crazy things. And each and every one of them came at just the right time so that I managed to pay the bills. All of them was a blessing. And we need to have that attitude uh, when we think about the work that we have and we need to do it as if we're doing it to the Lord because realistically we are. God doesn't want us to serve grudgingly anywhere. He wants us to serve willingly, happily, joyfully so that people can see the transformation, the difference that he has made in our lives. And the third command is to come. Come into his presence with singing. The Israelites were called to come into his presence and they're part of this covenant community, God's chosen people. And as such, they have no need to approach God in fear and trembling. He has called them his own. And as such, they can approach with joyful singing. But think about our situation as well. If we didn't know God, it would be very much like this. We'd be falling into the hands of a God who we would fear. But because of what Jesus has done, because he is enthroned in glory, because he is seated at the right hand of the Father, that great fear has gone. We are sons of daughters of the Most High God, adopted by him now. And so we can approach the throne with confidence and we will receive mercy and find grace whenever we need it. Because of Jesus there's been this transformation in our relationship from God. We've gone from darkness to light. We've gone from condemned to saved. We have gone from being unrighteous to righteous. Jesus imparts his righteousness upon us when we accept him as our Lord and Saviour. Our names are now written in the book of life. And because we now have a relationship with God, the act of drawing near to him and ultimately being physically in his presence goes from one of terrible fear and terror to uncontained delight, joy and exuberance. There's no words to express what that time is going to be like. It's going to be incredible. I want you to think about the images that we have of heaven in Scripture. The heavenly holy beings in God's very presence come before him with singing. Just think about that. This is something that the angels do. And we're invited to participate in that. We're invited to be a part of that. It blows my mind. It's beyond comprehension that I should be included in such a thing. But that's what God invites us into. He wants us to be a part of that. It's such an incredible privilege, such an incredible honour. And he calls me, he commands me, he welcomes me to come into his very presence with singing. And for me, I'd be an idiot if I didn't. And then I'm called to know that the Lord, he is God. There are three imperatives or commands before this one. Make, serve and come. And then there are three after. Enter, give thanks. Oh, sorry. Enter, give thanks and bless. And right here in the middle is the focus point or the central part of this psalm. Know that the Lord is God. 
And the call to know the Lord is an emphasis on the supremacy of God and then the He is God statement is an emphasis on Him being the one and only true God. So here He's calling all nations to join with Israel in the joyful praise of God. But that must be on the premise that God is the one and only God. He is supreme and above anything and everyone else. And the knowing God is a further command which speaks into a life that is lived in such a way that it is clearly evident to those around us that we're devoted to God. He comes first in our lives. Everything else is secondary. Uh, A relationship with God is truly transformational. And we should walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of our Lord. Knowing Him and living for Him is evident in our whole life, not just our Sunday lives. And the way we live proves our commitment to him, our love for him, our complete devotion to him. It is he who has made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And we've obviously been created by God, but that's not what this is talking about This here. Again, this is talking to the Israelites. And he created this holy nation, a people unto himself. And he's saying, you are my people, I created you. They were his people, the people belonging to God. And that's exactly what this psalm is reminding Israel of. They're being called to remember God's protection and provision. And it emphasizes again that invitation to all nations that Israel should have been reaching out, but unfortunately they failed. And for us, it can't be any clearer in Scripture, can it? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. And prior to this, this is that incredible thing where Peter is preaching in Acts after he's received Holy Spirit. And he's gone from this man who was shivering in fear only 50 days previously. And then he gets up and he proclaims this incredible message in the same town where Jesus was crucified, in the same town where he cowered along with the other disciples. And he gets up and he says this incredible message. He says to these people, basically, this Jesus is the Son of God. You crucified him. God raised him from the dead on the third day. You better say you're sorry. And this is the outcome. He calls them to repent. And when we repent and give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we become a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into the marvellous light. Does that sound at all familiar to Psalm 100? It's basically the same story, isn't it? It's the same account. Just as Israel was called to know that God God is the one and only God and we're commissioned to tell others about him, we are told to do exactly the same thing. When we look at the rest of this psalm, What remains in this psalm affirms what has already been said. Because Israel was formed and created by God, because they are his people, they can enter his gates with thanksgiving. They can enter his courts with praise. They give thanks to him. They bless his name. And we're called to enter, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. This is a language they would have understood when it came to the tabernacle and when it came to the temple. All the nation's status is affirmed in this command. Normally, the Gentiles would be excluded from the inner court, so they'd only be able to come into the outer courts. But they're told to enter here, enter not just the gates into the outer court, but enter into the inner court. 
Jews and Gentiles alike are being placed on a level footing here. And it's something that we now have as all believers. What was spoken of then is fully realised now. When Jesus spoke his last words on the cross, he said, It is finished. And we know that when he said it was finished, the temple veil was torn from top to bottom and the way was open between man and God in the Holy of Holies. That's what that was symbolically representing. And so there's no longer Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free. Rule one. All that was required to quell God's wrath was completely satisfied and realised in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. He paid the price once and for all, for all of mankind, each and every one of us. Because of what he has done, because of what Jesus did, we can now have fellowship with God. We're not just called a nation or his people, which we are. We're also called sons and daughters. And so we're told that we can enter his very presence We can come before him with whatever request we have, whatever petitions, in fact, whatever complaint we have. I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly thankful for that. And that's the next command, to give thanks. We've done that a little bit tonight. And we should constantly be thanking God for all that he's done. Not just here, but always. He will continue to work in through and around us. We need to have our eyes open to see his hand. And when we come here on Sunday, I wonder if we prepare ourselves. I wonder if we think about why we're coming and who we're coming before as we enter this place. As we prepare to gather, are we reflecting on what God has done and come with hearts full of thanks, ready to honour and glorify him and thank him. Are we willing to thank him for all he's done? And historically, that's about the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about the individual call upon you that first time you realised your need of a saviour and gave your life to Jesus. It's about the everyday things, the answers to prayer that we hear and see, the encouragements that God gives us through his word and through our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the most incredible thing for me is his presence his constant presence. He will never leave us, never forsake us. Even in the deepest, darkest moments, he is present. And I just find myself so thankful that he would do that for me. And when we come reflecting on all those things, we should come with hearts overflowing with thankfulness towards him. And finally, the final verse touches on what we should give thanks and praise for. It's because the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness goes to all generations. Why worship God? Why give thanks? Because he is good. And this seems to be a very simple word to describe who God is. But nonetheless, it is true. And we have this image of God that is so often portrayed in this world that he's distant, cold, not involved, 
waiting for every opportunity to zap anyone who steps out of line with a bolt of lightning. But our God is the polar opposite. Think of all the false gods that were worshipped at the time this psalm was written and, and the incredible sacrifices that they had to make. And, and I'm not saying incredible in a good way. They were terrible things. They were sacrificing their children. Terrible acts of cruelty and slaughter were done to appease these gods. And our God doesn't call for any of that. The true God doesn't want any of that. In fact, he finds it abhorrent. And to say that God is good would have been incredibly radical in that day. People wouldn't have understood how you could have a good God because of their experience with the gods that they worshipped. But not only would it have been a radical thing, it would have been incredibly attractive. People would have been asking, how could this be? But God is good. We say it, but do we believe it? In the midst of your trials and struggles, can you say that God is good? Do you believe that when we follow him, he is able to work all things towards good for those who know and love him? And in the midst of your present struggles, you mightn't think that that's at all possible, but I can testify, when you get down the track, when you move through that dark valley, you can look back and you can see God's thumbprints all over everything. The thing is, it's in those deep, darkest moments that Satan wants you to question God's goodness. If he can get you to doubt God's goodness, he knows your trust will falter a little bit. You will not read your Bible as much. You will not pray as much. You will not obey as much as you should. And there'll be this separation which continues to grow as you continue to go down that track. But if you do that, you're giving in. It seems so easy to go down that path. I mean, why would you continue to follow God if it's going to be so miserable and so depressing? But he's got his hand on you. He's got a purpose and a reason in all things. We have to believe what God's word says. And God's word says he is good. And why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. Don't take this lightly. This love is the love of God. It is a love that impacts all situations in our lives. But it's a love that is not changed because of situations or circumstances or moods. It's a love that can be trusted. It's a love that is never failing. It's a love that is always constant, always true. It's the love that God has for you, each and every one of you. It's a love he will always have for you. It never changes. Never changes. Regardless of what you do, your circumstances do not change God's love for you. And finally... His faithfulness to all generations. God is totally trustworthy. Whatever he says will come to pass. The people of Israel knew the absolute commitment of God to his people in leading them out of Egypt. And we read in awe of all he did for them. How much more for us? He called me to himself. He gave me his Holy Spirit to indwell me as a guide, a comforter, a supporter, a helper. And he tells me that he's preparing a place for me. And that he's going to come back one day. 
And he's going to take me to be with him. I'm going to be in his presence in glory. There's going to be no more heartache, no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sin. I can't wait. I can't wait. He called me to himself, but he does that for you. He does that for every generation. And we should praise him, we should give thanks, we should bless him because of his goodness, his love, his faithfulness, which is extended to all of humanity. I don't think we've got it right, eh? I think we can do better. And I think as we start a year, we can examine our lives before the Lord. This is something you can do privately. And you can ask yourself, do I do this? Go home and read Psalm 100 again. Do you come into his presence, joyfully singing to him? Who cares what people say around you? They can move to another seat next week. Tonight, perhaps we should pause and think about how we worship God. When we sing, when we come into this place, are we focused on him or are we worried about those around us? Are we willing to sing regardless of how we sound? Because God's commanded us to. He's called us to. And will we do that joyfully? I've skipped over a lot of stuff there. I'm five minutes over, sorry. Didn't do too bad. I'm going to close in prayer, but if you want to talk about anything, I love talking to people about things of God. More than happy to talk to you. More than happy to pray with you. And you're surrounded by Christian brothers and sisters who do the same. Let's pray. The team's going to come back up. They'll give us a song and then uh, we'll have communion. So if you can have those elements ready, that'd be great too. Father God, I thank you so much for this psalm. It's an incredible psalm, Lord. And I thank you that there's so much contained there, Lord. We could have spoken for so much longer. But Father, I just pray something's gone deep into our hearts. Something has challenged us. And that you, by power of Holy Spirit, will continue to work in our lives, Lord. And that we'll draw closer to you as a result. Father, continue to use us and use this time for you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.